I'd just like to say this, how much Margie and I appreciate being here as part of this fellowship. Uh, there's not a service that goes by whoever is speaking that we don't feel like we're being fed. And uh, we respect the integrity of the staff and the heart of Pastor Lee to just uh, hone into God. That's all you can say. There's fresh oil every time. We appreciate that. And I'll say this also about the worship. Uh, so many places that I'm not, I'm, I don't compare to whatever else, but I just appreciate the fact that there is a lingering presence of the Lord in worship. Yeah, yeah. That's not an automatic. Your hearts have to be right and you have to, you have to, uh, earnestly desire and chase after the presence of the Lord. As, as a matter of fact, this past Sunday night, I'd already been working on a sermon. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this because they told me 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to try it. So if I go over 20 minutes, uh, I'll notice as you leave that it's time to <laughs> But in the worship, as we're worshiping Sunday morning, just something just totally uh, came over me, and I knew I'm not preaching what I've been working on for two weeks, but something else. So this is something I felt like the Lord was, it's probably preaching it to me, but uh, that's the way it usually works. But I'm going to be looking at a, a number of scriptures, but we're going to be honing in on one in particular. But let me start off with something happened to me personally about 40 years ago. Uh, I was on staff at the Lord's Church. I was an assistant pastor. Uh, and I was working hard. Uh, but it was, a, it was a time in which uh, we were struggling financially. Anybody in here ever struggle financially? Uh, we had three teenagers. Margie was trying to work 30 hours a week. And I was working probably 65 hours a week. And uh, just wasn't quite enough. Anyway, it was Christmas Eve and I went to bed and I had to uh, leave the prayer the next morning, Christmas Day. Uh, and so I had the alarm set for 5 o'clock and the prayer was from 6 to 7. And so I, the alarm went off at, at 5 o'clock, but right before it went off, I had this deep, deep dream. Does anybody besides me dream? Okay, in this dream... Uh, I was there, and there was this rack of booklets that I had written. Now, I hadn't written any of these, but in the dream I did. And so one of them said, how to increase your income. And I thought, I wonder what I said. <laughs> so I was curious as to what I had written on how to increase my income. Uh, you can tell when you're dreaming, you're dreaming what's on your mind. And, uh, so I opened this booklet and there were 12 words in it. That's the kind of books I write, 12 words. <laughs> and this is, I don't know if anybody's interested to know what I said in this book. But it said this, tithe on what you want to make, not on what you make. And the alarm went off. And 
uh, so I remembered the dream, and I told the Lord uh, we were struggling and, and uh, we were paying our tithe. And boy, it was it was tough even just to pay the tithe. And I said, Lord, I need two hundred dollars a month more than what I'm making, but I don't have twenty dollars. Anybody ever been there where you don't have twenty dollars and uh, you just don't know what to do? And so. Uh, I got up and I went on to prayer meeting and just totally forgot the dream. Now you may think that that's heresy, but I just said in the, the little booklet that uh, I didn't make the dream up. But it really is not a principle of tithing. It's the principle of the law of sowing and reaping. Uh, that's why I don't argue with people about whether they want to tithe on the gross or whether they want to tithe on the net. And all that other stuff. If you ever catch the law of sowing and reaping, it's a much higher law than the law of tithing. It precedes the law of tithing. It starts in the book of Genesis, where the Lord uh, shows that each plant is going to reproduce after its kind. There's going to be seed that's planted. After the flood in Genesis 8, uh, God made a promise to Noah, and he said, that as long as this earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Now this works for the lost person and it works for the saved person. It doesn't matter. You can't get away from this law. Just like you're sitting on a chair because there's a law of gravity working on you. There's a law of the sowing and reaping. And so what I wanted to share tonight was just some things about the law of sowing and reaping. And particularly during this giving time of the year and what we call the Christmas season. And so I want you to think about what seeds you're planting. Because you are planting seeds. Let me go through a few scriptures to just show this is beyond money. Proverbs 11.8 says, He who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. In other words, if you plant righteousness, something's going to come up that's good. It's going to bless your life. The converse of that is in Proverbs 22, 8, and it says, He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. The law of sowing and reaping. You're going to be planting things this Christmas season. Luke 6, 38, which we all know, give and will be given to you... Uh, they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by the standard of measure uh, that you measure, we measure to you in return. And we use that about finances, but the context there is about relationships. About judging, about criticizing, about having mercy. It goes beyond money, but it works in money too. The law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived, be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So it shows you that there are good seed, and you may have some bad seed. We all have seed, and we've got to decide what we're going to plant this Christmas season. Now, the, the text that I would like to use tonight is 
One again that you're very familiar with, 2 Corinthians 9. And it says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Uh, and, and it goes through that. We're going to look at a few parts of that passage because it is talking about money there. He's talking uh, to the church, the Corinthian church, and telling them to get ready for a, a love offering and, it's, it, and how to give and that sort of thing. But I'd like to share in the brief few minutes that I have, uh, and I hope they'll be brief, just three little things that I'm going to challenge you with. Okay, the first one is this. Plant what you have and what you need. Let's say that again. Plant what you have and what you need. See, if I want to uh, reap mustard, we've got a little uh, raised garden. I don't plant squash. If you want turnips, you don't plant tomatoes. Whatever you need is what you plant. But you have to plant from what you have, and you have something. How many of you like Tabasco sauce? Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons we moved back to the South. I love the food down here. It's good. I love that spicy stuff. Uh, some of you may be aware, but most are not, of the history of Tabasco sauce. It goes back to the mid-1800s. Uh, the founder of Tabasco sauce was Edmund McElhaney. He was a banker in New Orleans in the mid-1850s. And there was a guy that came through his bank one day, a, a soldier who had fought in the, the war down in Mexico, the Mexican-American War, and he had some seed, pepper seeds that he had gotten from Mexico. And he gave them to Michael Haney and he said, uh, you ought to try this on your food, it's really, really good. And so he did and he liked it, but he kept some of the seed back and he brought them to his, uh, his wife had a... Uh, land at Avery Island where they had a salt dome. So he planted it in his wife's garden. Okay, this seems like a roundabout sort of way to get nowhere, but just listen to the story. So when the war broke out, uh, the when the Northern Army came down and they took over New Orleans, he had to flee. So he went to Avery Island. And when he's at Avery Island in 1863, the, uh, the, the Union Army comes in there and they take it over because they want the salt mines and they take over the plantation. And so McElhaney has to go to Texas. Now, the Union soldiers took everything. They looted everything. And so when McElhaney came back after the war, there was nothing. He was broke. He wasn't a banker. He had nothing. And he had to start his life over again. And he had to think of what he was going to do. And he noticed that the peppers were blooming in his wife's garden that he had planted. And so he started experimenting with this. And he, he, he made up a little sauce from the salt from the uh, dome there, the, the salt domes, and he took a little vinegar and he made it up and he put it in some used perfume bottles and sent out 350 samples and people liked it. The general, this is during Reconstruction, the general that was there, he gave him a sample of it. He really liked it. 
he said it to his brother in New York City who was over the largest grocer in that area, and he liked it, and after that, it's history. Because he started from nothing, he had nothing but a few pepper seeds. So you've got to see what you have. And then from there you begin to, to plant and you plant according to what your need is. Back to what I was saying about my dream. I said, Lord, I, I need $20, but I don't have $20 to tithe to believe you for 200 Listen, sometimes we are just in a, a place where our backs are against the wall and we don't know what to do. But God is able, and it says in this passage in 2 Corinthians that God supplies seed to the sower. So God has supplied seed to you. And we're talking about more than money. The Holy Ghost lives inside of us. There's peace, there's joy, there's love, there's acceptance, there's, there's goodness, there's mercy. God has done something. You're the, the place where Emmanuel has decided to uh, live. And what he has, he's brought with him. And you've got his seed inside you. So sometimes we think we have nothing, but we have something. Reminds me of the, the widow in uh, 2 Kings 4. She, she was a widow. Her husband was a, a prophet and... She, she said to Elisha, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm broke and, and uh, I have debts and they're coming to take my two sons because we have nothing. They're going to make slaves out of them. What do I do? And the prophet said, what do you have? She said, I have nothing. See, our problem is we don't see ourselves as God sees us. And she said, I have nothing but just a little bit of oil. And you know the rest of the story. I mean, the pots began to fill up and she sold the oil and, and you, you can go read that yourself. But I'm telling you, she started off thinking, I have nothing. And this Christmas season, you have something. Very precious. And you need to look and see what you have. And you begin to see also what you need. What do you need? You know, I had to do a little inventory in my own heart. Does anybody have to do that besides me? I had to do a little self-evaluation. I thought, you know, I'm sowing some seed here. I don't like I, I'm like the guy that had been married 10 years. And he said, after 10 years of marriage, I had to decide whether I want to be right or whether I want to be happy. There was a woman that was in a church and the pastor was preaching on spiritual gifts. And uh, after he had finished his series and this woman came up to him and she said, Pastor, that's, that's great. I only have one gift. And I have the talent of criticism. <laughs> I think she's got a sister or a brother in every church in America. But she said, I only have one gift and it's the talent of criticism. And the pastor, without blinking, said, you know, there was a guy in the Bible that only had one talent. He went and buried his. Why don't you do the same? <laughs> we need 
to bury the wrong seed and plant the right seed. Dodie Osteen, when she was 49 years old, was diagnosed with liver cancer. And of course, she got all the faith scriptures. They were in a faith church. And I mean, her husband was a faith pastor, John Osteen. And she claimed everything, but it didn't seem to be moving at all. And what she wanted was healing. And God put it on her heart. Start praying for people that need healing. Start sowing the seed of what you need. She began to pray for everybody and anybody and specific. And she, she had compassion. Instead of living six months and then dying, she's still alive today. She's 90. God is able. Here's the second thing. How many minutes I got left? All right. I'm, I'm too, too long. Second thing, plant cheerfully and generously. So whatever you plant, whether it's words, whether it's money, whatever it is, do it generously. And the scripture says that in verses 6 and 7, 2 Corinthians 9, don't sow sparingly. And then it says don't give grudgingly, but give cheerfully. How does a person that doesn't have what they need give cheerfully? I was attending seminary in Cleveland, Tennessee, and pastor in this little small church on weekends and they had this uh, lady that showed up I thought she was an old lady she's 60 uh, <laughs> time changes your perspective of things but she had three grandchildren and uh, she told me her story later but uh, her daughter that was age 32 had brain cancer and died and left these three kids she had a husband, but uh, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. He was sorry. <laughs> he chased women and drank. That's all he did. And the, the, the mother that had these children, the one that died, uh, had, she was a, a, worked in a plant or whatever else. And so there was social security that came to these kids. But the dad took it and he chased the women and drank the booze. And the kids had nothing. I went to pick them up. Margie and I would go pick them up and bring them to church. And Her, her name was Eva May, and uh, just as country as country can be, they, uh, the pipes, they were living in a little trailer out in the, the mountains there, and the pipes burst, and they had to go down to the creek and dip water out for the bathroom and dip water out to, to drink. They were poor. But we would pick them up, and uh, Eva May just uh, seemed to appreciate us bringing her. And uh, one day I preached a sermon on tithing. I'd do that about once a year. And it got to her. And she came to me, and she said, and she called me Brother Long. She said, Brother Long, you, you don't understand. She said, I babysit every week so we can have food on the table. I make $18 a week, and that's what we live on to eat. This was 1980. And we eat on the $18 that I make babysitting, and you're asking me to give 10% of that? Well, the church, I think, could do without another dollar and 80 cents. But I didn't let her off the hook. I just said, this is what God says. And uh, look, I wasn't going to go in and ask her if you tithe or whatever else, but uh, 
So, so I just let it be. You know, we weren't trying to chase her down for her money or anything. We were trying to bless her. About two weeks later, she came to me, and she had this envelope full of nickels and pennies and dimes. It's a dollar and 80-something cents in change. See, you all give here. You don't give like that lady did. I was the bread on her, on her grandkids' table. And she put it in my hand. She put it in the plate. She wanted to make sure. And so we prayed for her and just blessed her as best we could. And uh, about two or three weeks later, Eva May came to church, and she was like a different person. She was shining ear to ear. I promise you, folks, this is true. She said, uh, Pastor, you don't know what happened. But the Social Security came out and visited. When they saw what was going on, they took all the money away from the, the son-in-law and they gave it to me. She said, I have never in my life had so much money. <laughs> you need to see that. She had to give generously. And she had to give it in such a way that she believed that God was going to do something good for her. She gave it cheerfully. She gave it generously. And then this is the last point. Plant with expectation and faith. Back to my dream. You thought I'd forgotten it. I hadn't forgotten it. In the dream, I read the booklet. I'm a speed reader. How to increase your income? Tithe on what you want to make, not what on not on what you make. And I said, Lord, I, I need two hundred more. I don't have twenty. I forgot about it. Got dressed, went to church. Uh, I led the prayer meeting. There were ten people there. We were praying upstairs in the prayer center, and after it was over, I'm going downstairs, and this brother, his name was Ronnie. He took as we're going down. He said, Brother Ted. Merry Christmas. And I could feel a, a bill in his hand. Now, I led prayer there for 10 years. Or, uh, I led prayer there for 10 years. Nobody ever gave me a nickel, not a dime, not a dollar, not a hundred dollars, not a check. This was the only time in 10 years anybody gave me anything. Now, if he had given me $200... That would have been the end of the story. I wouldn't have learned anything. If he'd give me $1,000, I wouldn't have learned anything. Well, what do you think that bill was? It's a $20 bill. Now, I didn't tell anybody. I don't even think I told Marge, but there's an offering box downstairs. And I went downstairs, and I dropped that in that offering box. I didn't put my name on the envelope. It's between me and God now. We're transacting business because I got faith. Things are not going to stay the same. I don't know what God's up to, but He's up to something. Now this was Christmas Day. A week later was New Year's Day. It usually is. And the day after that, we were back in business at the office. The administrator calls me in and he said, uh, Brother Ted, we've been looking over everything. We think we need to give you a raise. <laughs> We're going to start off at $200 a month and then we're going to go from there. <laughs> See, that day I moved from, it wasn't the day that he told me that, but it was the day I put that $20 in that box. I moved from Barely Get Along Street 
to Abundant Life Avenue. Listen, you're going to be planting seed. And you can do political seeds, you can do you can do whatever kind of seed you want when you're with your family. Or you can plant life and goodness and mercy and kindness. And you can say, I'm the place where the, the manger is. I'm the place where the baby is living. I'm the place where the Christ has come. And he said, I'm going to be born there. I'm going to live there. And because he lives there, everybody that comes in contact with you is going to feel his life and his love and his goodness and his mercy. Because life will radiate out of you. Father, I pray your blessing upon everyone that's here tonight. That they will plant good seed this season in the kingdom of God, in their families, in their neighbors, whatever they do, wherever they go. The blessing of the Lord flow through them.